welcoming all the listeners to the HGS podcast for an insightful session. One to our uh, data quest tech and business talks. This is a regular uh, thing we have been doing for many years now, where we take uh, experts from the industry and uh, come to know of their you know enlightening views on all the latest uh, issues of the day. So today it is my great privilege to present Mr. Natarajan Radhakrishnan, President and CIO, Hinduja Global Solutions. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Sunil. Uh, a quick introduction about myself. Sure, sure. Full name is Natarajan Radhakrishnan, commonly known as Nat. Yeah. Uh, science graduate and an MBA from Ayam Ahmedabad by education. Past uh, 34 years, I spent in the uh, first seven years in banking and finance, last 27 years in the field of information technology and consulting. I did work with some large IT majors like Cognizant, Capgemini, IBM. Today, I am the President and Chief Innovation Officer for Hinduja Global Solutions. We are a technology-enabled customer experience player, a seamlessly integrated technology and BPM uh, for offering uh, client-focused services. Based out of Bangalore, very happy to be here. So anyway, great, great to hear that. So I, it's it's so great that you have got such a diverse background. So I'm sure you'll have like a 360 degree view of everything. So I, I think I'll just then straight get to it. You know, like I was curious, what are the emerging trends in terms of digital services and CX? And how will this impact this industry, both in India and at a global level? I was asking because now we have settled down in the post-pandemic era. So uh, yeah. what, what is this new world looking like? So interesting question. I'll actually take a step back. Um, the way we used to view the industry, you know, we used to talk about technology, IT services industry on one side and BPM industry on, that, on the other side. The skills required, price points, the way services were delivered, client expectations, these things are dramatically different between the two industries. That line is now going away. It's becoming one continuum. Today, for delivering BPM services, for delivering customer experience services, you need a far bit of technology. Lots and lots of technology is needed. Similarly, for delivering technology services, you need process experience today. So it is becoming one continuum. That's one major difference I see. That's a, that's a major, major trend for me. Apart from that, within the industry, obviously, there are a few buzzwords and there are a few other trends which have continued for the last 5-10 years. They, they continue to be important. Let me take the latest uh, concepts first. So everybody is talking about generative AI. So chat GPT has almost become a brand name, even though it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's become a generic name, even though it is a brand. Today, we also have Bard and other large language models coming up. So this will fundamentally alter the way customer experience services are delivered. Your conventional uh, contact center where the agent answered the query for a customer, or the next generation chatbots and conversational bots, uh, which had serious limitations, right? For example, some of the bots would have five or six options. They cannot respond beyond those five or six options. So typically what will happen, it will uh, try a couple of times. Otherwise, it will route you to an agent. Today, you have uh, Gen A enabled uh, chatbots and conversational bots. These all these bots, you know, they keep uh, learning on the job. They build a knowledge repository over a period of time. 
the customer experience becomes much more seamless. Today, it is possible to integrate a knowledge repository, self-service portal, chatbot, conversational bot, a dashboard, client dashboard, voice to text transcription, sentiment monitoring, plus the agents. The agent is already there. He is not going to go away completely. He will only do value addition. He will not be doing anything routine. So this combination, this integrated offering can be a deadly experience for the customer. It can resolve problems earlier. You know, you may have needed three calls to sort out a particular customer problem. Today, you can do it in one call. For example, in a roadside assistance call could have taken 20, 30 minutes earlier, right? From collecting uh, what is your vehicle number, car make, where are you, what exactly is the problem. Then uh, our service provider tries to contact multiple garages, find out who's available. That thing, this can be totally automated and the handle time can be one-tenth of what it was before. So somebody who's facing a breakdown need not wait 30 minutes in a call. He'll probably get a solution in less than three minutes. This is one major development, very, very exciting development for me. Uh, then there are um, the other interesting thing for me is voice and visual search. We always had text-based search. Today you can have pictures, you can have uh, voice clips, and you can find out where they originated. Where you see a particular visual, you want to know what that product is, who manufactures. Earlier it was very difficult. You had to use your imagination. Today you have visual and voice searches. Searches that is really exciting for me. The third piece is around cybersecurity. So every year, I, I would say this is almost on a logarithmic scale, exponential number of cybersecurity incidents, number of threats is immense. This is not a this is unbelievable growth for me. You can have all kinds of defenders, virus protection, and so on and so forth. Despite that, there is always an incident. So the trick is in kind of monitoring and manage, managing the situation. You cannot completely eliminate it. You can protect yourself, but you have to also be careful, monitor, and so on. So I saw one uh, data you know, as of two years back. Every 11 seconds, there was a major ransomware attack with some corporate or the other. The average cost of a ransomware attack is between 4 and $5 million. That's like 30 to 40 crores. And some of the large ones are run and the impact runs into hundreds of millions of dollars. We can no longer take that lightly. It cannot be an evening job for the CIO today. You need a full-fledged information security department to kind of run this. These are some of the new trends that obviously much more I'm picking the top three. I would also like to highlight uh, some of the existing concepts which continue to be robust they have not gone away. They continue to be important and they are very close to my heart. Personalization and hyper-personalization. So earlier, we were segmenting the market. You know, we said some people like sedans, some people like station wagons. That was kind of segmenting. Then we said that level of segmenting is not enough. You need to personalize for an individual. You can't have a group of people and make an offering for them. You need to personalize your offering to suit the tastes of individuals. Today, it has become hyper-personalization. The personalization is over a period of time context-specific. It's, it's not, if it is Sunil, do this is no longer the formula. If it is Sunil who wants this particular product on this particular time frame, 
then there is a certain degree of personalization. So I call this hyper-personalization, which means I need to understand you completely, your expectations, buying behavior, all of that, and then come back with a solution. This uh, corporate bombing, sending you promotional mailers, emails is not going to work. I mean, what you know, many of the banks keep sending you stuff, people don't even open them. The other one is omni-channel. Again, this has been around the way corporates engage with customers through emails, uh, internet, uh, phone calls, TV, uh, multi, multiple modes of engaging with a customer. The look and feel, the, the problem was uh, the engagement was also there, but the look and feel, the way services were delivered in different channels were different. Today, there is increasing emphasis. This has been there for five years, but I think the trend continues. How to integrate the omni-channel and ensure the same experience in every channel, whether you buy something uh, in a shop or through the internet or through a mobile app, the experience has to be identical, it has to be high quality and very similar. So these are some uh, couple of traditional, I mean, I would say these trends have been there for the last five plus years. They continue to be important, right? Now, part B of your question, what is the impact on India? What is the impact, global impact? For India, many of these services, many of this technology has to be developed in India. So I see exciting times for our tech talent. Right. Earlier, it was conventional services, application development, maintenance, testing, ERP implementation, and so on. Now, there are so many opportunities around new tech. That's really, really uh, heartening to me. We need not be the back office of the world or workshop of the world. We can be the factory of the world. We can be the R&D lab of the world. So that is really exciting for me. Second, I'm also hoping, remember when uh, UPI happened, the smartphones exploded. And uh, that kind of lifted a whole generation of people. It made them technology savvy. I'm also hoping, you know, this one will also play out in a very similar manner. It will reduce the digital divide further. It will make the whole country smarter. That is my expectation. And globally, on a, on a global level, this will become a differentiator. Today, you have a marketing strategy, pricing strategy, like that you have to have a GMA strategy, cybersecurity strategy, and so on. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very hard. You, know, you can't deliver superior customer experience. So today, features are table stakes. Right? You know, if you take uh, smartphones, for example, there are smartphones with every conceivable feature today, but some of them sell more, some of them sell less. That is because of differentiation. So that differentiation is possible only by employing a careful uh, CX strategy. That is where it will become very, very core to the way we produce things and deliver things. So companies will have to factor this in. Uh, I thank you. That's that's a very you know comprehensive opening you have given, and I think we have covered most of the topics. So maybe like uh, certain things you have said, I'd like to expand on that. So like one you yeah. talked of cybersecurity. So I mean it's not yeah. just cybersecurity. There are ever changing needs for cybersecurity. The government is changing regulatory requirements on a you know regular basis. There's data privacy. Re recently you know the data bill was also passed. So maybe if you can speak 
on all this data and regulatory paradigm. Right. So uh, people say data is a new oil. We are constantly mining for data, which means uh, you also need to make sure that the data is responsibly used. It should not be misused. Right. So that is where the whole origin of uh, regulation came. Uh, today you have the most restrictive cyber security regulation in the EU, which is GDPR. Then China has its own PIPL, and India passed its uh, Personal Digital Data Protection Act. Uh, recently, it's been passed by Parliament, signed by President. Should be notified shortly. Their intention is within the next ten months it will be implemented. If you look at this uh, piece of legislation, it's uh, try to borrow the best practices from different countries. For example, there are the consent piece. The user's data can be used only with consent. When you talk about consent, it has to be unconditional consent. It has to be voluntary consent. It has to be specific consent. It's not an omnibus consent to do everything or anything with your data. Right? So there are a lot of qualifications attached to it. And the user data principle, as they call, has the option of withdrawing the consent whenever he feels like. And he can also monitor and make sure that the data is used only for specified purposes and not for anything else. Similarly, you have the data fiduciary, the recipients of the data. They need to exercise uh, total uh, safeguards around the data. It can be used only for the purpose for which it is intended. Data in general cannot go out of the country. In case of multinationals, they may have to send out the data. They can do that subject to two conditions. It can only be sent to certain countries. You know, the government has a power to limit sending data to certain hostile countries. That's one limitation. Second, it can only be used for the purposes of taking decisions with respect to the India business. In other words, you can't collect uh, the consumer data in India and try to use, use it for marketing services in some other country. That's not allowed. Then there is also this uh, significant data fiduciary, people who have access to large volumes of data. For example, take a credit card company, right? like large banks. There's also significant data fiduciaries who are subject to additional uh, regulation. And that one is there. Only thing we have not gone to the extent of uh, uh, EU or UK in terms of defining um, legitimate use. Uh, we, have, we have used the term legitimate use uh, rather than uh, that's less restrictive than what we have in uh, EU. So all in all, Obviously, there are overriding conditions uh, for the, the interests of national security, medical emergency, government has the authority to kind of pull in the data. Uh, it can bypass the regulation. Uh, all in all, I would think you know this was the need of the hour. It's probably a couple of years late. We should have come up with a data protection, data privacy act two, three years back. But then the positive side is it borrows the best policies from uh, different uh, countries uh, and there are some exemptions for startups because you know they cannot be they are not in a position to spend this kind of money 
players for large players like significant data fiduciary companies uh, they need a data protection officer just like cio cto ceo you know have a data protection officer for large players all in all i think you know it's a well thought out regulation there will obviously be some concerns in terms of overreach uh, so data governance is also covered in this uh, i think i i like the legislation the intent is uh, really really laudable that's good to hear as you said better late than never let's hope like yeah. it rolls out properly so another thing like you explained cx in the old normal and new normal at the beginning so have yeah. we settled down into a post pandemic world to the new normal and mainly i am talking from the point of digital transformation what does digital transformation look like in a post pandemic world because it's no longer a talking point it's a reality so i actually have three normals not two Great. There is this old normal, then there is this COVID normal, right? Under new normal, let's differentiate this a little bit, right? Old normal was everybody was coming to work. They were uh, obviously uh, struggling with the Bangalore traffic, Mumbai traffic, Hyderabad traffic, Chennai traffic, all that. Five days a week, very few companies had work from home for a day and things like that. COVID times, it became completely work from home. i think uh, the logistical challenges uh, we faced in terms of moving equipment to homes of employees we started intruding into employees privacy so that was the covid normal today we have a hybrid working kind of a policy most companies have decided to call people back 3 days a week some of them are saying 2 days some of them are saying 5 days by the way nobody wants to come to office all 5 days of the week employees would like two days employers would like three days right we have perfected the art of working from home but there are still a few things which require face time certain complex problem solving people have to be in the same room you can use uh, video conferencing networking etc but still some of the brainstorming problem solving needs face to face interaction plus this whole uh, team building concept of uh, ensuring camaraderie between team members some face time is required so i would say the new normal is anywhere between 2 and 3 days uh, work from office may not even be for the full day you know people may come in at 10 may leave at 4 right that is kind of settled down now there a lot of reluctance for people to come back home and when they come by when they came back we did not we were not able to cope up with uh, transportation food requirements equipment requirements all that i think it's settled down nicely that's one thing i noticed the second one earlier all our training was classroom training in fact we preferably sent people out for training and some trainings were conducted in a conference room in the office and in the pandemic world there was lots of e learning all this um, learning platforms without naming any names they became popular so today it's 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 a combination we we like a combination of e learning and physical learning some classes some physical classes plus e learning i would say the pre pandemic world learning was probably 6 to 10 days per annum if you look at 220 working days maybe 6 to 10 days for the industry average for learning during the pandemic times I, i thought this dramatically went up people had more time 
more opportunities, we also encourage people. Now it has come to a more reasonable number. The new normal is better than old normal, probably less than the COVID times. The third dynamic is in terms of skilling. Pre and post COVID, this may have nothing to do with COVID. The whole space of partially to do with COVID. The space of digital transformation has increased like anything. So what earlier used to take 12 months, 18 months is today taking three months and six months. And technology in the areas like mobile uh, development, uh, technology is changing every six months. So people have to be nimble. They, you can't be a mainframe specialist, Java specialist anymore. You should be willing and able to learn new technologies very fast. Right? What we call a learnability. You can have uh, some aptitude, some uh, IQ. The most important part is learnability. So you are constantly skilling and reskilling yourselves. That is the new normal. 15 years of one technology is old normal today. You should be able to live with a new normal. Today with uh, GPT and LLM models, we have co-pilots coming up. Meaning basic coding can be done by those platforms. It's for you to test the code, integrate that nicely, make sure that it works. The skills required are very different, right? So from that point of view, there is a big uh, skilling debate. Then of course, uh, the risk of repeating uh, new normal is uh, cyber security and data privacy. So now all our employees have to be careful, doubly careful. It's very easy to have uh, uh, phishing attacks and smishing attacks, spear phishing attacks, right? All those things are there. People masquerade as you and try to elicit information, money from you. So the level of cyber security awareness, protection and management, you can't have 100% protection. So the trick is in combination of awareness, protection and continuous monitoring. That has become very important. And we did not bother about data privacy earlier. Today it is important. You could ask any question in the interview, ask any question to your employee. Now that's not possible. You need to be careful about what we ask, careful about how we store their personal information and how we manage and process their information. All that has become significantly different from what it was earlier. These are, these are some areas. So as I, as I said, you know, there was this old normal, there was this COVID normal, and then there was this new normal. Anyway, I like the sound of that because three normals actually aptly sums up what really happened. So anyway, so I'll, anyway, continuing, you know, you talked of generative AI and chat GPT during uh, uh, your explanation of CX and also you mentioned it now coding. But how will uh, generative AI and chat GPT affect business operations? And what about future disruptions to maybe all industries? Right. The headline answer is it will disrupt. It will disrupt big time. The pace of change on the LLM side, large language model side, is frightening. I mean, it is completely unanticipated. Uh, earlier model, earlier version of, for example, ChatGPT versus new version of ChatGPT, or for that matter, BOD, or some of the other proprietary models. The capability is like 10 times, if not more. They are becoming uh, all pervasive, intelligent, smarter, and so on. 
I see multiple ways in which it will disrupt, in most cases, improve the business. Earlier, we spoke about customer experience. The way you deal with, you engage with your customers, uh, deliver services, handle complaints, most important part. Post-purchase service, this warranty service and uh, help desk. It is bound to become extremely, extremely superior. Today, it is frustrating to call a contact center. If you have a problem with an airline, let's say, or with a, a cell phone service provider, it's quite frustrating. They don't have all the answers. You can't get through to the call center. You may have to call twice, thrice to sort out the problem. All that will become much more seamless. You will end up making less calls. You will have other options like using the portal or uh, or a, a chatbot or a conversational bot. So I see significant improvement in customer service, number one. Number two, in the creative space, movies, you may have uh, seen the news items on script writers strike in Hollywood, right? So writing scripts, uh, drama scripts, movie scripts, things like that, LLM models will play a big role need not be always human element writing them. So you will have uh, competition for machines uh, in terms of coming up with new scripts and so on. The healthcare space summarization. Today, if you have 20 different medical reports, you go to one diagnostic agency, get some five reports done, go to another MRI uh, imaging center, get some report done. Then the doctor has given some prescription Maybe you have consulted a second doctor. The whole thing has to be summarized into a crisp 10-line summary. Now technology is available. Earlier, a nurse or a healthcare professional would have had to sit through, understand this and sum it up. Today, technology can do to do that for you. Areas like that, everywhere there's got intelligent supply chain, for example. And you can choose to receive the order anywhere else. For example, I can place the order online and pick it up in a store nearby my house. Or I can go to a store, place an order, ask them to deliver it at home. And there are supply chain complexities uh, around this. All this can be managed with uh, new tech, with uh, uh, areas like GPT playing, uh, with technologies like GPT playing a big role. So the possibilities are endless. There are more and more use cases coming up every day. Even, uh, even artists can be impacted, right? So digital art is coming up in a big way. Digital agriculture, you know, weather monitoring using Gen AI is likely to be much more precise. And you can warn the farmers about impending uh, pest attacks, weather events. All of this, uh, the predictive power is going to be significantly superior. The possibilities are endless. And in fact, you have to take every process and see what is Gen AI likely to do in that process. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, been pretty exciting uh, last few years and the next few years will continue to be exciting. So I just wanted to, yeah. you know, end uh, the interview on like uh, we here at DataQuest, we have completed 40 years and this year we are focusing on, you know, India after 100 years. So the India 2047 mission looks at us becoming an economic and tech superpower by 1947. What do you think? Are we on track? What are our strengths and weaknesses for this mission? 
first of all congratulations on your 40th anniversary thank you so much thank so you obviously i knew data quest as a student right yeah that's great those i i think it was one the, the only magazine in town yeah was, 82 uh, we launched that time we were the only it max yeah only it related magazine in town right, so right. i remember very fondly my association has great. been long right. yeah i remember right from 1983 84 onwards. great 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 now now to the question by 2047 mm-hmm. so all the predictions about india's economic growth becoming fourth largest third largest in my opinion they are all understated the reality is going to be bigger let me take some examples wow. okay way back in uh, i think it was 2003 or 4 uh, one of the management cons- strategy consulting firms said indian it will export 50 billion dollar worth of services when the prediction was made we were at 7 billion or 8 billion people laughed at the prediction that prediction was met the next prediction was 250 billion dollars every one of those predictions we have met right so what is going for india let's think about it a little bit it's the only country with the demographic dividend intact china doesn't have it anymore we are the only ones with the demographic dividend intact so we still have a reasonably young population so that is very very good from my point of view second we are very good in terms of skilling basic skilling i am not talking about advanced skilling there are areas where we have some weaknesses basic skilling if i want a programmer i am confident i can get a program right we are we are the only country where we can hire 300000 programmers in a year 200000 programmers in a year nobody else can do it right the third thing that encourages me this is reasonably new we were always good in applied research applied programming and things like that with the emergence of uh, science education government set up this uh, icers all over the country the uh, onset of more and more science indian institute of science offers a four year science program with things like that quality of pure science is going up and there is much more focus on r&d emphasis on phd programs and iits and other institutions is really really encouraging so we are not just going to be plumbers we are going to be designers and manufacturers and so on that is also very encouraging for me and if i look at governance governance is also becoming stronger all the state and central governments are becoming completely digitized right from land records court records tax payments today you know your income tax comes preloaded now they already have 80% of your information i just need to fill up the balance 20% so governance is becoming superior today if i have an incident in uh, a train i can send a message to railway ministry and they respond cops show up in the next railway station right that kind of governance is already there and the regulatory framework it is becoming much more sophisticated we are getting out of uh, the colonial kind of procedure oriented regulation to really a management monitoring oriented kind of regulation for example data protection act is a good example so increasingly legislation is more in terms of uh, 
facilitating business making sure uh, government doesn't lose right. tax money rather than you know controlling yeah it's not about controlling it's about safeguards and ensuring that things run smoothly today for example all the land laws can be have been combined into one most of the labor laws have been combined into one right companies act has been cleaned up codified nicely right so the relevant legislation is there uh, you have a smart working population demographic dividend is there skilling is there so most of the foundational pieces are in place i'm not even thinking in terms of 2047 right. india will probably become in the next 10 15 years will be called an advanced country will oh, be a top 3 economy in the world great so, yeah there are a couple of uh, cautionary elements you know this will need superior infrastructure the tremendous work done in uh, highways and in railways and in, you know setting up hundred yeah. airports in the country yeah. but there is still much more to be done yeah and advanced education that is one area where we are, we need to make some more progress today i can get a smart programmer if i have to get a programmer who can develop a product or design a product then the talent is limited right that level of education we need to still kind of uh, work with the government and get it done and we are also you know becoming a innovation hub how can i right. list that out earlier yeah. we were primarily assemblers today yeah. we are we are also doing the thinking for many countries yeah. yeah. bangalore for example you know in my book top 5 innovation spots okay along with san francisco new york right boston london bangalore I mean, it's in the top five. No particular order can be right. one also. Right. So, so it's it's. Uh, I I would think you know we will achieve it much before twenty forty seven. Wow, that's that's really great to hear. I mean, I think that's a great uh, you know place to end on that positive note. I'm happy people are talking of India twenty forty seven. Maybe it'll be much earlier. So, thanks for yeah. all your views, and it was a great overview and also very positive. at uh, at the end thank you so much thanks so much thanks for the opportunity always nice talking to data quest yeah great, great.